Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello friends and welcome to another edition of the Bleed Los Podcast. This week's episode of the podcast is brought to you by our friends at FOCO, F-O-C-O.com. FOCO has uh, given all of our loyal listeners a dedicated link on uh, whatever description of uh, whatever platform you're listening on. So go to the description that you see there on that platform, click on that link, it'll take you to their website, add whatever you want to your cart. And uh, after you uh, you go to complete your purchase, a discount will be applied. Again, terms and conditions do always apply, so please, their site, please see their site for details. But they have all the fandom. Hawaiian shirts, slides, bobbleheads, office supplies, golf supplies. They have everything, so check them out. Foco.com. Huge thanks to Foco for the support and for the uh, consideration. Also, our good friends at BleedLost.com. BleedLost.com is a, a fan apparel company. They, uh... They have that uh, Joe Kelly Fight Club shirt, uh, Walker F. and Bueller shirts, Ed Kulichi shirts. They, they got it all. But the uh, the other thing that they're doing right now is they're taking pre-orders on a, on a limited Trevor Bauer ran uh, shirt, that is, uh, that uh, that has a, a screen-printed image of him on there. So check it out, bleedlos.com. Uh, go check out that website. If you use the promo code bleedlospod10, you will save 10% on your, uh, on your purchase on their website. So... Check out their website for more details. As always, terms and conditions do apply. Please see their site for more details. This week we uh, we talk about the Dodgers, of course, but we also have a special guest. Uh, he's a radio broadcaster for the Los Angeles Dodgers, TV broadcaster sometimes as well. We have Tim Neverett coming on to discuss his book that he wrote about chronicling the 2020 COVID season. Super tight conversation with him. And again, as always, we talk about Dodgers baseball. But in the interim... Here is another edition of the Bleed Los Podcast. Hey fans, this is Todd Lights, public address announcer for your world champion Los Angeles Dodgers, and you are listening to the Bleed Lows Podcast with your hosts Alonso and Juan with the baby face gimmick in the sky, Roger. Before we get to uh, to this week's guest, Tim Neverett, I uh, wanted to, to harp on a few things. Uh, as Roger has been pointing out to us for the better part of a week, the Dodgers suck again. Uh, I'm kind of curious, uh, Juan, uh, you know, they, they, they had, they had an interesting week, you know, obviously they had some activations with Bellinger coming back and, uh, and, and belly got six RBI, uh, the game after his, his return, if I'm not mistaken, uh, you know, overall it, it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great either. Right. But I mean, I'm kind of curious to, to, to hear your take to see if this, you know, I think personally, this is just one of those weeks where it's just, it is what it is because they're kind of moving, you know, pieces around guys are, you know, Muncy uh, got pulled out of the game. X-ray was negative, so that's great. But uh, but I'm kind of curious to hear your uh, your thoughts on this week. Yeah, I'm so glad that we're starting with this because, all right, the Dodgers are three games out of first place. All right, they're nine games over 500. There are 100 games left in the season. And what I love is how sensitive everyone is to fans being negative 
about, about the Dodgers. I don't know if you've noticed this on Twitter, I have. but it, it seems like every fan on Twitter is talking about how much the Dodgers suck. You know, they basically sound like babyface, right? Babyface is just, you know, they're the worst baseball team in, in the history of the world, you know, because they haven't clinched the division by June, June 6th. Right. You know? Yeah, you're right, Alonzo. Okay, they went three and three this week. But I will say this. They are, it's two months into the season. And I think the thing that you can say the most, the most accurate thing that you can say about the Dodgers is that they're inconsistent. Now, does that inconsistency come from the fact that they've had so many injuries? They've constantly had to juggle this roster. And baseball, these guys are creatures of habit. So they're not in their routines. Is that what's contributing? Or I think it's time to ask the question, is this who this team is? Because on paper, yes, they were supposed to do this. But guess what? Sometimes players have bad seasons. Could it just be that all these guys who the Dodgers depended on to carry them this year, this is the year that they just have a bad season? I mean, I, it's super probable, you know, I mean, obviously we talked about it before the season started. It was going to be interesting to see how these guys did going into from, or rather coming from a 60 game season to 162 game season. Right. And it's whether we like it or not, that there is going to be some sort of lingering effects to that. And, and I kind of expected it. I mean, the, you know, even, even Clayton Kershaw, the mighty Clayton Kershaw, you know, who we're used to seeing him have like a, you know, a two ERA, He's got a 3.66 ERA right now, if I'm not mistaken. So, and, and a part of it is, you know, he started out great, you know, then, then, then the things started going, and then that's where those inconsistencies began. And even, tre- you know, Trevor Bauer, you know, same thing. You know, Walker Buehler, even though he's 4-0, and he's got uh, uh, the, uh, the second most strikeouts or the third most strikeouts, if I'm not mistaken, on the team, uh, third or fourth, one of the two, I can't remember. It, it's still, point is, it's still a good problem to have because you have a, even a pitching staff that has been inconsistent, right? Clayton Kershaw has struggled at times, but he's come out and he's been able to kind of redeem himself, for lack of a better term, and get out of those jams. Julio Diaz has had a phenomenal season. Walker Buehler has had a phenomenal season. Trevor Bauer has had a phenomenal season. And let's not forget, there's starting pitching injuries that have gone into play too. Tony Gonsolin, Dustin May, all that we, I mean, technically they don't, they haven't had an a really officially a fifth starter the entire season because Dustin got hurt so early, right? So, all things considered, even the struggles of the bullpen, the struggles of the offense, you know, all these things are there's there's one one catalyst injuries. The, if those injuries don't happen, I feel like we would be seeing a different team. But a part of the reason there's those inconsistencies is they have to plug those holes with different players just about every day. And then no one expected, I mean, did you have it on your bingo card that Albert Pujols would basically be the, the first baseman for the Los Angeles Dodgers the year after they won the World Series? I didn't. Did you? Absolutely not. But I just, I want to know why Babyface hates the Dodgers. I mean, if this is your favorite team, why do you talk crap on them all the time? It's what kind question. of fan are you, Babyface? I have to question your love for this team. That's, again, fake news. <laughs> I've been pointing out that this team is not playing to 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 the level of what, what we're saying. The greatest, you know, greatest team to ever feel the the you know the base. Okay, how realistic is that? Okay. How dare you? I am not Bill Plashke. I did not say that, nor did Juan. How dare you? And number two, 
I mean, how, how often have we said that it's a 162 game season? So basically what you're saying is, is if they don't win every series, if they don't win every game, they're underachieved. No, I mean, I think you take for this, this brave series, they should have won that series again. It, it's kind of the same thing that keeps when they're losing series. And even when they've been winning games, they're still not getting those big hits in those big moments. And that's- Okay, but, but all right, let's take this Brave series. Why should they have won this series? On Friday, they scored their majority of the runs because the Braves walked everyone. Correct. On Saturday's game, they scored four runs because the Braves made four errors. So, in my opinion, I think the Dodgers were lucky to even win one game in this series. I don't think true. they I don't think they played well at all in this series. And if I'm so not mistaken, that's why Anderson. I keep harping. We're two months into the season. Pretty much now we have to do the Bill Parcells where you are what your record says you are. Right. So is it that these guys are just having bad seasons? Or they're having bad starts to seasons because I can't stress enough. We still have over a hundred games left and they're only three games out. I get it. They're not playing, but what is this real? The reality is every Dodger fan out there expecting that this team win every single game. We have been spoiled for the better part of three years. Right. And, and we've talked about this before that we've, we've been, we've been, you know, just spoiled, right? And the Dodgers have done, you know, the, the organization has done their part to to try to keep it going. But at some point, the, the players have to produce, right? And this is one of those opportunities where the players are given the opportunity to produce. And here we are. Mookie Betts is having an off year. He's either hurt or he's having an off year. I'm going with the form. Uh, Cody Bellinger obviously was on the IL for, what, 62 days or something crazy like that. And then on top of that, AJ Pollock is now hurt. And then, and, and then you've had Corey Seager on the I.L. because of a fracture. So, I mean, you, you, you don't even have your core offense firing on all cylinders. So it, 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 if, if it isn't injuries and if it's not inconsistencies, then what is it? You know what I mean? Come on, baby face. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I want you to finish your thought. No, I mean, I'm looking at it like when, when you look at a team, okay, on paper, these are games that they should win. Yeah, the Braves were, you know, were in the NLCS last year. But coming into this, they're under 500. They are uh, they are underperforming as well. And this should have been a series that the Dodgers should have gone in there and won two out of three. You know, that's now they're going to Pittsburgh. And same thing a couple of weeks ago when they went to Chicago and they went to Milwaukee and then they went to the to to Anaheim and they lost those series. That's what I'm afraid of. That they're going to get into you know these series, teams that they should be winning winning two out of three. You know, they got to go into Pittsburgh and they got to sweep them. You know. If they lose two out of three, then there again, then what? Then what are we saying? Is this the team that they are? Now the pirate, the pirate series, I would agree. They should go in there and win all three games. Okay, I can agree with that. The Braves, I have mixed feelings on that because Ian Anderson, Charlie Morton, and Max Fried are not slumps. They're they're not chumps, right? They they those are good starting but pitchers. They've all they've all been struggling. Freed. Dodgers have had their way with Freed and he was lights out on against them. Today. Right, but because but also, it's a left-hander and it, the Dodgers this year. Have struggled, struggled against left-handers. Thank you for making my point. That doesn't make one point to you. Um, I'm sorry. Look, I, I I I get it, but I I just feel like we're two minutes, uh, we're two months into the season, and which is trying, basically two minutes, by the way. 
And we're trying to find an explanation as to why the Dodgers aren't perfect. Like the latest one that I've been hearing is this Mookie. I, and, and Alonso, I think you may have a point. It's either a down season for Mookie or Mookie is playing hurt. But now I'm hearing this story that it's Mookie Betts's diet because Mookie Betts has become a vegetarian. He, this is the reason why he is underperforming. Let me tell you, if this guy was eating nopales and frijoles the whole time, that would be enough for him. I don't buy that argument that because he changed his diet, Justin Turner did the whole 30 at the beginning of the year, and he was tearing it up the first months of the season. Right. Now he has struggled. He has struggled. I, I mean, baseball is a game of failure. You're going to have these ups and downs. The minute, you know, I mean, just look at what has, what's been happening since. So the Giants series, when the Giants came to Dodger Stadium, that's when everything started going bad, right? In that stretch, and maybe the fact that Muncy's ankle, you know, it was bothering him is the reason why his batting average in that stretch dropped 20 points. Maybe, but what happened to Gavin Lux? Gavin Lux was red hot. And now Gavin Lux went from hitting 255 to hitting 238. Zach McKinstry, since he came, I, I also love that, you know, all the Dodger fans, well, once we get Bellinger and McKinstry back, we'll be fine. Bellinger and McKinstry haven't done shit since they came back. Hey, Bellinger had seven RBIs in the last seven days. How many did he have against the Cardinals? Oh, he had six in one game. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, thank you for back to you in the studio one. Thank you, Mr. Know-it-all. I, I, here, here's, I mean, where I'm at with this is I don't think that the Dodgers suck. I still don't think the sky is falling. I know I've said a few times that there's a couple of injuries that have worried me that the injury that worries me is if another, if let's say whoever the fifth starter is supposed to be, doesn't come back or is not filled that injury worries me because how many bullpen games can the Dodgers actually have and, and, and win? Does that make sense? I know it absolutely makes sense. I, I mean, look, I know that our listeners that, you know, regularly listen to this show. And I, I think we're starting to get the reputation because we were uh, quote unquote bashing Corey Seager. I think we tell the truth on this show. Okay. So because Ballinger and McKinstry are struggling right now, I want to clear the record. I am not here saying that these guys suck. Okay. Right. They are. I think that's the thing that I think everyone has to take with a grain of salt here. These are major leaguers. They don't suck. They have to be so good just to make it to the show, but they are struggling. And that's what we're talking about here. Uh, the reason why the Dodgers aren't winning games is because they got a lot of players that are struggling. And again, it's the inconsistency. They go through stretches where they can't lose a game, and then they'll go through a stretch where they lose 15 out of 20. Perfect example is how the week began. They took two out of three of the Cardinals. They could have very easily have swept the Cardinals. That game on Tuesday where the Cardinals had basically Ozzie Smith playing at every position, that's what won that game for the Cardinals. The Dodgers could have very easily walked off that game. The sixth inning alone, they could have taken the lead, but the Cardinals were making, they, it was like a gold glover at every position. So they could have easily have swept the Cardinals. You know, ball bounces a certain way. You know, they might have had a winning week this week, but they didn't. And that's what leads me to my next point. 
The Dodgers have the most one-run losses in all of Major League Baseball. They have 13 one-run losses. That means the Dodgers are pretty much in every game. Now, my question to both of you guys, why aren't they winning these one-run games? They're not executing. That's just that's the end all be all. They're not executing when they need to. They're 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 not a they're not a there's a saying that I recall before the sabermetric era that they were not maximizing their at bats. And the perfect example this weekend, the the game Saturday and the game Sunday, they they lost uh, by by two runs. That that in in the grand scheme of things, when you have a potent offense like the Dodgers do, that just means that you're not getting guys on when they they should be getting on. And then the guy that should be getting those guys into scoring position is not executing at the same time. It's the whole small ball mentality, right? That that's what it comes down to. And the Dodgers are built to do that. They're just not executing right now. So that's where those inconsistencies come into play. That's when those injuries come into play, because at the end of the day, the dudes that you should be talking about that should be executing are the Cody Bellingers, the Corey Seagers, the Max Muncy's of the world, the Chris Taylor's of the world, who we will discuss up here in a moment. But it's those are the guys that, that obviously should be stepping up. But in some of those instances, how many of those guys are actually in a game right now that we just talked about, right? Or how many of those guys are maybe playing hurt with some sort of an ailment? How many of those guys have been hurt and then they've been struggling for the last couple of weeks? A la Max Muncy. A la, you know, and then you, and then the other spectrum is you have Gavin Lux, who, you know, has been has been kind of thrown to the wolves, if you will. And he's had his struggles too. You know, he's had his defensive struggles. Because playing shortstop in Major League Baseball is not easy. No matter how easy some of those guys make it look, that's not an easy position to play. And he's going from second to shortstop and he's having on-the-job training with the Dodgers, right? So so long story short is it's a little bit of, of everything, but most importantly, it's they're in these games. They're just not executing. It's just what it comes down to. Correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't, I don't know if we can find this stat, but what I've been seeing a lot, this year, and I don't know, maybe I've just for whatever reason seen more of it. I'm seeing like a leadoff walk in an inning. It's coming back to score, and I think that's crucial. in obviously, in one-run games, like I saw it today, first inning was Bauer right. He lead off was a leadoff walk today, and then the run ends up scoring. So, I think that has to do something with it as well. You know, those you know, what is it like? Thirty-three percent of of walks turn into runs. Um, so that I think plays a big deal. And, you know, if they can cut back on that, I mean, I think, you know, those one run games would probably turn into, into W's. Well, going back to what Alonzo said though, babyface, is if the Dodgers aren't execution executing, why are the other teams executing and the Dodgers aren't, who do we hold responsible for a team if they're not executing manager typically, but I, I wouldn't even put that on Dave. Because at the same time, he's having he's working with the bullpen that normally he he has his five traditional starters and then he's got his bullpen, right? This year he's got his four traditional starters as of now, and he has to also prepare for a bullpen game in some cases, right? Now going into this next week, allegedly Tony Gonsolin's gonna be activated as soon as maybe even Wednesday of this upcoming week. But let's say that doesn't happen. That means there's another bullpen game this week. So not only are, are, is that offense kind of being squeezed, but so is that bullpen because they're being put in a position that they're not accustomed to. They're, you know, they're doing that Brewers thing where they're using their, you know, David Price in this case is being used as the Corey Knable or even the hater when they started in the postseason, right? But it's one thing to do that in the postseason. It's another to do it in the regular season every week. 
and and your bullpen can only take that for so long. You know, we've Bickford was uh, I didn't have Bickford being in the bullpen at all this season, and here he is, right? Nate Jones, another guy. So so it's one of those things where that you know they're being overly exerted in in more ways than they're accustomed to, and it's kind of it's adversity that the Dodgers are facing for kind of the first time as far as this sort of stuff goes. Because you know Corey Seager's been hurt, Max Muncy's been hurt, Kershaw's been hurt, but it's usually been one of those guys at a time, not four of them at the same time. You know what I mean? So that's another thing that they're not accustomed to when it comes to that adversity. And now they're right there, but all things considered, they are still in it. So uh, you brought up two things that I want to address with you guys. And that is one is, okay. So you're talking about the bullpen and maybe the bullpen is contributing to these losses. So let me ask you this. Why does the bullpen why do they have an inability to hold on runners? It seems every team the Dodgers play, they steal a base, they're already on second base, and then you get a base hit, and then you're already down one run. Then on top of that, why is it when the Dodgers get the leadoff runner on, and Babyface has brought this on many, uh, has talked about this many times, the Dodgers have the leadoff runner on and they stay at first base. They don't move from first base. The next three batters just pop up. This is what we're talking about in terms of the execution, because on paper, the Dodgers should be a better team than the Giants of San Francisco. But the record doesn't indicate that. So, again, why are the Giants being why do they execute? Why do the Padres of San Diego? Why do they execute? And the Dodgers are having such a hard time, especially against teams under 500. Why are they struggling? And babyface, I have one more question for you. Do you still doubt the Giants? Because the Cubs were red hot and they came into San Francisco and the Giants beat the Cubs three out of four. Giants are legit. They're legit. And I'm just going to leave it at that. It's, it's that devil magic again. <laughs> That's what I love about Babyface. (laughs) Babyface brings logic into every discussion. Science, guys. Science. Back back to what Juan was saying. I mean, you don't see the Dodgers running. I mean, what, does Chris Taylor have, like, the most steals? Maybe he has, like, five. Mookie's, like, he's attempted five, and he's been caught, like, three or something like that. We didn't have Bellinger. Bellinger, obviously, wasn't there to run. So it's like, they're not stealing any bases. They're not running at all. They're not. They're not moving the guy over. You know, I mean, with Mookie, you would expect that. Mookie gets on, he gets a walk, single, whatever. He should be on second, like, by the, you know, third, fourth pitch, right? But they're not doing that. Um, Just that small ball. They've done a couple recently, a couple safety squeezes lately, but we're going back to a couple weeks ago when I kept asking, why weren't they safety squeezing with Kershaw and, and, you know, to get some runs in? Like, maybe they've done it a little bit, a couple more last couple games, but all those things they're not doing. They're not executing those small things, especially if the, if the games are going to be tight, one run game, two run game, they need to be doing those small things. So, you know, it makes a difference that, you know, the end of the game. I, I, to a certain degree, and and I, I uh, uh, loosely will say this, I agree with Roger, but in the grand scheme of things, it's because it's a difference of philosophy. Listen, the giants, whether you like them or not, they are, they are, that's a legit baseball team. And those are baseball players, right? Brandon belt. I mean, I, I've, I said it a couple weeks ago, Brandon belt's a bad dude. Brandon Crawford's a bad dude. And, and to your point one, they were red, you know, they, they, 
the Cubs were red hot going into town. I mean, Chris Bryant is is having himself a season. He's going to get paid somewhere that is not Chicago. Uh, but they the Giants shut him down. Pitching did their job. Bullpen did their job. That offense was going. You know, they they they're doing the thing. But here's the thing too about the Braves. The Braves, the Braves are you know obviously they're struggling a little bit this year. But let's not forget the, those the, those Bravos. They still have Freddie Freeman. They still have Acuna. They still have. Uh, uh, I'll be I'll see this they, you know th- that's still a good team they're still young too and they're still figuring out their way I mean Max Freed is still young and I mean and those pitchers are going to be there for a long time Charlie Morton is no no slouch either they're having their own struggles but a part of it is is because they're young Dancy Swanson was a number one pick what three years ago so it, you know in the grand scheme of things that's still a super young team but they're still good. I mean, they look how far they made it to the postseason last year. And and Tim talks about it. You know, we talked with him about about the bubble and 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 the the things that the Dodgers overcame. Now it's just a matter of like, okay, now these other teams kind of have a, a way of navigating things, and, and a part of it too is their philosophy. And I think right now what's what may be irking the Dodgers is I think their game management isn't where it needs to be, and their philosophy isn't like Rogers talked about. You know, playing small ball. I think the Dodgers want to play small ball, but they also have to juggle injuries. You know, they still have to juggle all these other things that that they, to a certain degree, can't control per se, and they're just making it work the best that they can. Because I mean, I understand why Kershaw may not do a bunt because they also don't want him to maybe get hurt on a bunt on a squeeze play. Okay, I can understand that. So it's again, it's it's that difference of philosophy as well. Whereas the Giants are just, hey, this isn't this is working. Let's keep at it. And the Dodgers, I just don't think, have found that formula yet. Because, I mean, we, we've seen glimpses of it, right? You know, we saw it the other day when they they dropped that 14-piece uh, that on the Cardinals. You know, so the offense is for sure there. It's still just as potent. They're just trying to figure out the right mixture to get it going. So let me ask you guys this. Two months into the season now, what is the Dodgers' weakness? Uh, Currently, I would say... Uh, there'd be two things. I would say their their lack of execution, and the only other thing that makes the most sense is injuries. You know, injuries. I mean, if I mean that's the thing too is you don't have the chemistry that you have with guys when you play with them every single day, and until you get that going, you know, if, if you have to keep plugging guys in, that's that's going to be the fault. Because I mean, the 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 benefit for the Dodgers is they still have depth even with injury. I mean, when did you ever expect that Albert Pujols would be on the bench for the Los Angeles Dodgers? Never. I mean, granted, he's not, you know, La Machina, but I mean, that dude still has a glove. That dude can hit. I mean, he hit a home run today. And and so there isn't any issues there. It's, and Chris Taylor's still balling, you know, and that dude's going to get paid somewhere, and, and I hope it's in L.A. But, uh, you know, they, they still have those pieces going, and they still have that depth going. But, uh but if they're, you know, if, and, and Chris Taylor is currently the MVP, in my humble opinion, for this team, because if that dude isn't there, I, I don't know if the Dodgers are, are maybe even where they are right now. What about you, babyface? Yeah, I think it's, yeah, the, the execution, like I said, getting that, those big hits when they need them, you know, that's been missing, uh, the, you know, leaving the runners on base, a lot of, you know, left on base. Um, and then obviously the injuries and, the bullpen, to some extent, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we were seeing a lot of these guys that weren't ready to be in those high leverage spots, and they were coming in, and they they weren't they weren't up to it. And I think that those have been the pieces that that they've been struggling at. I will so say I, this. I will say this real quick, if I can, Juan. Uh, 
Yeah, go ahead. I, I, I will. I give the bullpen a slide only because this isn't the bullpen that they envision at all. They're, they're, Corey Canable's not there. You know, they're, they're, everyone's having their, you know, to a certain degree, their struggles. And most importantly, they didn't bank on bullpen games. So that's the reason I'm going to give the bullpen kind of a, a slide, if you will, because that, that was not the plan for the bullpen at all. Granted, baseball is, is about adapting. And like you said, it's a game of failure and, and you, you figure it out on, on the go. But be that as it may, this was not the plan for the bullpen. I mean, did you have Kenley Jansen being your closer? I know you didn't, Juan, because you expected by, I don't know, six days ago that Kenley wasn't going to be the closer anymore, but here we are. <laughs> I know. I mean, that's true. I, you know, to me, the bullpen is going to be interesting only in the sense that you have a guy like Phil Bickford, and I know the sample size is still small. The guy's pitched six innings, but he's got nine Ks in six innings. And I'm just sitting there going, oh my gosh, did the Dodgers fix this guy? Now, not only did they fix him, but Nate Jones has been pitching really well. Yeah. So what are you going to do with those guys? Like they have Gratterall down in the minors and Gratterall is healthy. They're just not bringing him up because they want him to keep working on his off-speed pitches. So when they do have to make a decision, when they have to bring up Gratterall, what are you going to do with Bigford and Jones? If those guys are pitching good, do you get rid of them because, well, we have to go with these other guys because I don't know now if Blake Trinan is healthy. Blake Trinan has not looked good lately. Blake Trinan has given up five runs in his last eight and two thirds. So it may, and then maybe this speaks to what Alonzo has been talking about. These, these bullpen games are starting to catch up with the bullpen, but you now you have that problem. And it just seems that, Nothing has been clicking on all cylinders for this team no. because just when Muncie starts getting good, you know, he's on a hot, he's on fire, he gets hurt. So it's always like they, they, they're never been at full strength. And it just seems that when the pitching is great, the offense doesn't show up when the offense is great. The pitching isn't there. I mean, Kershaw, the last two starts has given up five runs in each start. Now, he's usually, you know, never had like bat to back bad starts. So right. I'm really curious to see what Kershaw looks like on in on his next start. The way I look at it is, and I've said this on here before, we will know the state of affairs after the All-Star break. Once you, you know, once you kind of see where everything is at, then I think we'll, we'll be able that that'll be the sample size you want to look at. Right. For me, the thing that I'm I'm curious of is if they go out and get another starter assuming that Tony is, is just a, a plug-in. I, obviously, with this team, you never know, right? This, this front office goes and picks up guys that you've never heard of out of nowhere, and here we are. So, uh, you know, that'll be interesting to see going into it. And also, what's going to happen when Corey comes back? Who, who's going to move? And, and is Albert going to be here for the entirety of the season? I'm on record of saying that Albert's going to be here for the rest of the season. I, I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, but, but at some point, you know, obviously as guys get healthy, there has to be a move. So, so that'll be interesting. But I mean, for me, the, the main one, who is going to be that five guy? Because whoever that five guy is, it's going to be important that they not only remain healthy, but also produce because in that way you can move on from these bullpen games that are now taking a toll on the bullpen. Because I agree with you to your point. I think those bullpen games have affected the likes of Blake Trinan, have affected the likes of Victor Gonzalez, have affected those guys that are not accustomed to those, those situations being thrown into that. Right. And I know there's going to be people that are like, Oh, well, these are major league baseball players and should be accustomed to it. Listen, baseball players are, are creatures of habit. 
And if you if your guy is accustomed to being the setup guy or he's accustomed to being the long relief guy or whatever the case may be, that's what they get ready for every single day. When you throw in a bullpen, I mean, Joe Kelly, did you have Joe Kelly being as good as he was going to be in those two bullpen games? I didn't. But I mean that, but Joe Kelly isn't even a long relief guy. So so it's one of those things where that they're doing their best to to roll with the punches, but at some point it catches up with you. And I think it to a certain degree it's catching up with the bullpen now. But I, I did want to ask you going into next week. So they got three with the Pirates in Pittsburgh, three with the Rangers in LA. What uh what do you both say the the week uh, ends up being? I'll start with one. I, I think the Dodgers win a four out of six in that series. And what I am most looking forward to next week is seeing how our starting pitching uh, looks. In particular, I want to see if Kershaw bounces back because if Kershaw has a third bad outing, um, that's going to be very concerning only because we already are down to four starters. I know we're going to get Gonsolin back, but if Kershaw is not right, if there's another injury and we're going to go back to, if we're going to have to continue to have bullpen, bullpen games, it's just not looking good. And it, and it could be that this is just a year that this team can't stay healthy. The other thing that I'm looking for, uh, looking for is, is Bauer, Trevor Bauer. You know, today they're going to make, you know, I don't really subscribe to this. And I think Alonzo can go ahead and, and speak, you know, can speak uh, in an intelligent manner about this. But uh, according to a lot of people, his spin rate dropped. Now, did his spin rate drop because of this whole thing with Major League Baseball cracking down on the substances? That's something to see uh, how he looks in his next outing. The other thing I just got to say about Trevor Bauer is the guy just gets no run support. I, I, I mean, I don't know what it is about that poor guy. The same thing happened to him last year with the Reds. When this guy is on the mound, he has to be absolutely perfect in order to win a game because on those days, just the offense just doesn't show up. No, I, I, I agree with you. And it's just the, the offense isn't executing. Uh, Roger, what say you about this upcoming week's outlook in the six games? Yeah, so we got these six games, but actually the next 12 games is kind of one of those where you'd expect the Dodgers to win maybe 10 out of 12, 9 out of 12. You know, they got the Pirates, they got the Rangers. The Phillies are about a 500 team as well, and then they got the Diamondbacks. I mean, so you'd expect this nice next little stretch for them to win, you know, 9 out of 12 games. You know, and I'm hoping they get back into that, into that rhythm. And we see them, you know, you know, out of these next six, six, you know, win about five games, five, four to five games out of them. I'm expecting out of the six, I'm expecting uh, uh, four games out of the, out of those. And then I agree with you one. I think Trevor needs to have a bounce back. I mean, one thing about Trevor too, see, he's had a home run problem. I mean, he, he's allowed 13 homers, which is already four more than he allowed last season uh in, in only three three more innings so it's not anything nuts as far as uh you know look you know when you kind of compare the whole apples to apples thing kershaw interestingly enough though has been slightly better on the road this year going four and two with a three era if i'm not mistaken and six starts away from la and he struck out 31 over 32 and a half uh thir- 32 i think in a third road innings so that's what's ironic about that is he's slightly better on the road and then Trevor has that home run problem, right? And then you have the anchors with Julio and Walker that are just going out there and balling, right? Uh, for me, the, the spin rate thing, before I forget, 
So obviously, you know, MLB, it, it went from carte blanche to, hey, we're going to crack down on this. It wouldn't surprise me if that's a part of it. But at the same time, I think it's kind of Bush League that MLB changes it up on everyone because it also affected Garrett Cole. It also affected Trevor Bauer, who we just talked about. It's And you're going to see it with other guys. And, and at the end of the day, the other thing that's going to be interesting to see is how many guys get hit as well. Because hitters don't mind it. Because, you know, the, the, the only dudes that are crying foul about it is, you know, because there's guys that are using it to make their super elite stuff better, and that's fine. But a guy like Trevor Bauer, he, it's not that he's necessarily trying to enhance his spin rate. He's just trying not to hit dudes, and I get that. I mean, he's got a filthy breaking ball, and the last thing you want to do when you throw a curveball and you snap it out of your hand is hit a dude in the head. I mean, that's fair logic for me, right? But at the same time, you know, you, the, the golden rule, you know, the, the unspoken rule is you're going to see guys from other opposing teams that are going to maybe knock out other guys for, for using the stuff, but it's Hey, no one's hands are no pun intended. No one's hands are clean either about it all. You know? So to me, I, I'm not worried about the spin rate because Trevor's stuff is still there. What I'm actually worried about is the home runs. Cause if he's going to give up home runs at this rate, then that's not good because if he's not getting the run support that he needs, then that's not going to help when the opposing offense is going to hit home runs. Cause at the end of the day, Kershaw said it too. Give up solo home runs all you want. But if you give up five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten solo home runs every week, you know, your two outings, then that's a problem. So that, that's when it's going to be interesting to see is how he adapts to that without without any anything. And I don't even think it's the stuff. I just think, you know, with, with where we're at now, tape, video, all that jazz, especially since, since uh, uh, you know, we have all that technology now they're starting to figure guys out, right? They, they catch nuances, they catch, you know, tips, things like that. So, so that's, what's going to be interesting to see. Uh, but on that note, let's, let's talk to our friend, Tim Neverett. He's going to, he's going to plug the book uh, that, that he's dropping uh, the COVID curveball, uh, the, the world's uh, rather the 2020 world series champion, the Los Angeles Dodgers uh, chronicle that he did. Uh, Tim goes a, a little in depth with us about it. And he, he talks about how unique and interesting that season was. And, uh, and we'll, we'll wrap this up on the other side. Hey, fans, this is Todd Lights, public address announcer for your world champion Los Angeles Dodgers, and you are listening to the Bleed Los Podcast. And we're joined uh, here for a few minutes by, uh, by Dodgers broadcast uh, 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 personality, play-by-play guy, I mean, obviously now author, Tim, uh, Tim Neverett. Uh, Tim, thank you for the time. Oh, no problem. I'm happy to be with you guys talk some Dodger baseball and uh, get a little more familiar with what you guys are doing and, and uh, looking forward to it. No, we really appreciate it. And, uh, and you have a, a spectacular book that uh, that's been getting the praises uh, COVID curveball and inside view of the 2020 Los Angeles Dodgers world championship season, which was actually forward by, uh, by oral Hershiser. So that's super tight too. Yeah. Oral did a great job and, if all you read was the Ford, I think it'd be worth it. <laughs> uh, be, because uh, no, I'm just there's a lot of good stuff in there, I think. But uh, as far as what Oral did, it's a pretty in-depth Ford, and he really opened up. And we start the Ford uh, in in with Vin Scully describing the last out of the 1988 World Series that Oral was just about to get. And what was going through his mind at the time? What was going through, you know, 
the mind of the bulldog is he's getting ready to close out the world series. Not too many starters get a chance to finish a game that clinches the series. And he was just about ready to do it. And he takes us from those moments uh, to the immediate uh, craziness of the postseason, even like, you know, what happened with the Disney commercial and stuff uh, that many people may not be aware of, uh, you know, talking about how that all comes down and then getting into relating to Julio Urias, who got the last out of the World Series in 2020 and how he can relate to him and, you know, his thoughts on Kershaw and how winning the MVP of the World Series will, you know, forever be with Corey Seager and how that'll affect his life and, and, and things like that. So, uh, but the, just to get the, the intimate thoughts of Oral Hershiser uh, going back to 1988 and then reliving them through the 2020 Dodgers is pretty cool. And I think he did a wonderful job, I think, bridging those two eras uh, from championship to championship. No, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited to hear that because Oral Hershiser in general is just the, uh, a fountain of stories that that I wish. Oh, he's great. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's 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 great. I, I was curious because you have a very uh, a unique kind of you know perception, if you will, that a lot a lot of people won't ever have of the 2020 season, especially that bubble in Arlington, right? Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about how the Dodgers won the quote Mickey Mouse ring. Frankly, I, I believe that uh the the NBA Finals and the World Series. Are are the two most difficult, you know, series to uh, to go hey, through? You mean this Mickey Mouse ring? That Mickey Mouse ring. <laughs> <laughs> that guy. That one right there. This, yeah. This one right here. Okay. Uh, for those of you that are listening, Tim uh, uh, pulled out the uh, the personalized uh, 2020 World Series ring. For those of you that uh, keep saying it's still a Mickey Mouse ring, we'll we'll have to show you the video. But uh, but it's a, uh, you know, the, the, those are in my opinion the the two most difficult. Uh, you know, championship series to get through with the uh, the NHL being third in my, uh, you know, behind that. Be that as it may, I feel like it, it was even more difficult to win that, the, the you know, to go through that postseason last year because they added that series uh, at the beginning. And on top of that, they went into a bubble playing in, in an entirely different environment than they're accustomed to. You know, from your perception, as far as how you saw it, how how difficult would you say last year's championship was not just because it's the Dodgers, but just in general as a whole for the World Series? I think the entire season, you know, the bubble might have been a little easier because there was no travel. Uh, and the Dodgers were fortunate because they were the only team that didn't have to travel. They parked themselves in the Texas Rangers uh, clubhouse and never left. Uh, the other teams had to come in and out. But uh, I think the regular season part of it, was so difficult. And if anybody wants to say Mickey Mouse or put an asterisk on it, they didn't go through it. They didn't understand. Uh, to With what a baseball season is, and keep in mind, we're already through 59 games. So basically we're already through what last season was in terms of numbers, gone through it so far in the blink of an eye, but it took so much longer last year. You know, you start spring training and then to have it shut down the way it was and have all these unanswered questions. You know, what is coronavirus? What is COVID-19? How does it affect people? How is it affecting people differently? Uh, how do you not get it? How do you get it? How do you get tested for it? When do you get your results? Uh, you know, all we had a progression of all kinds of things that went on. You know, wear masks, wear gloves. Where's the toilet paper? Remember, we had a run on toilet paper. We couldn't get any anywhere. 
I mean, I was out hunting for it just like everybody else. And it was a good thing that I stole some from my condo in Arizona right at the end of spring training, because one of the last things I saw on television when I was told to go home is that the shelves were empty. So I said, well, I'm going to take what I have here, put it in my luggage just in case. And it's honestly a good thing I did. But, uh, you know, all the things that happened, we didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't know how to protect ourselves with the best. We didn't know what information to listen to, what was right, what was wrong. Uh, so it was a total progression. And then when they reconvened, after it was determined to be a 60-game season, they reconvened at their home ballparks and in Dodger Stadium in this instance for summer camp. And then what the book will chronicle is the reconvening and like who wasn't there and why and what, what the challenges were. I mean, let's face it, the first inter-squad game we had to use a clubhouse guy to play left field. Chico He's a legend. Herrera, He's a legend, Tim. It's the Chico. Legend of Chico, the star of Hollywood High School. You know, he played there. Anyway, but I mean, how this is the big leagues and you don't have a left fielder, right? This is where we were. So many guys were still sick or tested positive or asymptomatic or some guys were having some serious problems. Uh, and then they, they came back and then the, the opt out of David Price. And then you move along and uh, finding out, you know, all kinds of things. A.J. Pollock was very, very close to not playing because of the premature birth of his daughter. And oh, by the way, he had COVID-19. Let's not bury the lead. So it was just so difficult just to get the season going and then not knowing whether or not you were going to. To complete it. In fact, I got a phone call from the Dodgers telling me at one point that if, capital I-F, if we play 60 games, you're going to do this number, blah, 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 right? And it was, and even the team was not sure. They were ready, willing, and able to start a season, but they didn't know with the number of cases how it was going to be shut down or whether it would be shut down. And then when we started seeing the cases with the Cardinals and with the, uh, the Marlins, uh, and then we started seeing it hit the Midwestern teams. And then uh, the Padres were thinking it's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. Dodgers never got one until game six of the World Series. And ironically, it was Justin Turner who tested positive. And he was like the COVID cop. He and his wife were the, the, the most strict about the protocols. And they're the ones who were basically keeping an eye on everybody else to make sure they stayed healthy. Because the Dodgers knew if they could stay healthy, number one, they had the best chance to win the World Series. Uh, I give the players a lot of credit because they're so used to playing in front of fans and playing with piped in crowd noise and flat cardboard cutouts. The atmosphere was not like a Major League Baseball scenario at all. However, they played hard and they played well. And I tip my cap to them because once they got between the lines, they remembered that they were professionals and they played in the most professional manner they could. 60 games or 160 games, it wouldn't matter. Last year was probably one of the most difficult seasons any franchise, any league has ever managed to get through. The rescheduling with other teams, the, the positive tests, the people that had to be held out of games, there were so many obstacles. And the Dodgers were able to leapfrog them all until game six. But at that point, it was too late. They were going to win, and they did win. So Mickey Mouse, I doubt it. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think it's fair to say there was an asterisk because every other team had to play under the same circumstances and the Dodgers were the best 
in every aspect, including the health and safety protocols. Tim, you, you mentioned that that Justin Turner and Courtney were were the cops, the enforcers, so to speak. But I don't know about saw- enforcers, but they were they were uh, making sure that people knew. So uh, that being said, I mean, we saw what happened to to the Marlins last year. We saw what happened to the Cardinals. How, I mean, I, I think this, you can say this about any team, regardless whether you're playing in a pandemic or things are, quote unquote, normal. I think you need a little luck to win a championship. So that being said, I think the Dodgers were had that going for them last year. But how did the Dodgers avoid getting a major covid outbreak during the season going into the playoffs? Like you mentioned, they got it at the very end there of game six of the World Series with Justin Turner. But will your book inform us like what the Dodgers were doing to avoid that COVID outbreak? Yeah, I think to a point uh, without giving every single detail of every single player and what they had to do. But it starts when summer camp started the very first day. Clayton Kershaw was interviewed and, and, um, you know, he's got some quotes in there basically saying, here's what we need to do. And he was and I, you know, it's okay. What about an asterisk if you win? And this question was asked on day one of summer camp. Dave Roberts was the first to speak after the workout. Clayton Kershaw was next. And Kershaw said, there will be no asterisk. We're all playing under the same rules. But if you want to win, if you want to play, I think he said, you want to play, you can't be stupid. And so the players policed themselves pretty well. They followed the protocols. In fact, there was a time, and it is mentioned in the book as well, where Justin Turner sent a note up to, uh, to we in the, uh, in, in the broadcast media saying that they are adding their own additional protocols over and above Major League Baseball. And those paid off. Uh, they followed them to the letter, and they paid off for the Dodgers in a lot of different ways. What would you say for you, of, you know, obviously of everything from start to finish, including the stoppage, is the thing that is that stands out to you the most of last year, aside from the World Series win? I really think, and I mentioned it before, that they're professionalism. These are hard circumstances to play in. I mean, if you play in front of a crowd all the time, and now you're in front of an empty stadium, it feels like a scrimmage, right? It feels like a JV game. But it wasn't. It was still Major League Baseball in the big stadiums. The ambiance was strange. It really was especially when the team was on the road and we were at Dodger stadium watching off of screens, sitting in a luxury suite so that we could spread out and social distance more so than we can in the, in the Dodger radio booth or the TV booth, TV booth stayed the same Joe and Oral and then myself and Oral stayed in the, the television booth. Uh, we were approximately six feet apart, let's say close enough. And the radio booth would, would have been too close for, for uh, me and Rick or Charlie and Rick, but Charlie never came to the ballpark. Charlie was set up in his house. He did not want to come to the park. And so they set him up in his house. And so he did the majority of the games from home while Rick was at the ballpark. And I explained how it all worked out. Um, but the ambiance was just eerie, really weird, especially when it started to get dark at Dodger Stadium and there were no lights on. And all you can hear are the Ravens making their weird noises. And there's about 50 of them on the field looking for bugs under the tarp at home plate. And you're trying to call a major league game and you're distracted by what's not happening or, you know, down on the field. It, it, the whole thing is bizarre. 
It, it is really Twilight Zone, bizarro world stuff that we went through last year. And, and I just thought, you know, during the first shutdown, uh, my wife and I were, we decided to quarantine uh, near our home uh, that we have out east. And uh, we went up to the, to the White Mountains in New Hampshire. We were just walking around one day with nothing to do. We got our dog with us in the woods. And the idea just came to me. I said, what if I chronicled every day? And at that point, I didn't know if we we're going to play 100 games, 120, 62, none. I didn't know. Uh, but I said, you know, we don't know what's going on here. So why, I probably should chronicle every day and see what happens. Just kind of do a, a, a journal, a, you know, kind of an expanded journal. I didn't tell anybody because I didn't want anybody to say, hey, here's something for your book or be afraid to tell me something because they're afraid I'm going to put it in a book. I just had everybody act normal around me. And I didn't tell anybody I worked with until the last day of the regular season and <laughs> told them what I've been working on and said, I'm going to, I want to finish this during the postseason and see what happens. And I'll keep you informed. And they were like, yeah. And the Dodgers have been very, very supportive of the project. They've been great about it. Um, and uh, it, it, it's just kind of a funny notion I had and an idea I had. My wife's like, yeah, you definitely should do that. I used to write a column. Uh, when I was with the Red Sox, I wrote a weekly column for my hometown newspaper, but that's really the extent of any writing I've done of any length. And uh, so we put the book together. I've got a few friends of mine from college who happen to be uh, New York Times bestselling authors. And so I consulted them and uh, they kind of guided me through the process and, uh, you know, found a book agent and a publisher. And it's a process, man, I'll tell you. But uh, it, I really I had the manuscript done in November. And the book doesn't come out in print till August 31st, but you know, it's available for pre-order now on Amazon. Just search COVID curveball. Uh, it's been, uh, the sales of it are good. It's also it's a hardcover and Kindle. You can get a Kindle version if you don't like hardcover or hardcover is good. And we're going to have some opportunities to get some signed copies. I'm going to be at the all-star game uh, for two days. Uh, and that's going to be the first opportunity that anybody will have a chance to purchase a copy it's going to be about a month and a half early and we're getting special copies printed up just for the all-star game and, and they'll be available at, at one location in denver one block from Coors field i'll be there for two days signing those and uh and having meet and greets and just kind of chatting like like we are right now tim what what do you think the lasting effects of that 2020 season are going to be along with the, the, the protocols. I, I mean, is the impact of that, are we going to feel that in, in, in the 2022 season? Because you, I, I saw an interview where you mentioned, you talked about the amount of revenue that was lost last year um, because of COVID. And Alonzo and I both feel that we're going to see either a strike or a lockout next year. So how much of that do you think is impacted by COVID and what we went through? in 2020 a lot because it's going to take a while for many teams to recover the dodgers are in a position where they may recover sooner than other teams because they've got such a great fan base and uh, once they open it up on june 15th they'll be able to take in even more revenue and you know more like they're used to they're accustomed to and that they need to to keep this business model going i mean you're paying trevor bauer what you're paying him paying mookie Betts what you're paying him you need to get those turnstiles humming right so uh but there are other teams that are probably going to be further behind uh i just think that the economic impact uh should have an impact on the free agent market certain teams are not going to be able to dig as deep as they want to go some teams still can do it 
you know, Dodgers can do it. You know, Yankees may be able to do it. Cubs, uh, who knows? But uh, I do think there will be some lingering uh, economic impact on the sport. Uh, also, I think there's going to be some different ways things are done. I already know that uh, the way that we do ticket, like remember the will call window? That's mm-hmm. a thing of the past now. You have to have the ballpark app to get, you know, tickets and you can buy parking there and it's all contactless, right? So they're, they're trying to do contactless ordering at the concession stands all around baseball now, if they can. And, and uh, th- there's going to be a lot of different things. Uh, it sounds strange, but one good thing is everywhere is cleaner. Uh, there's people <laughs> sanitizing things. Uh, you know, we have to wash our hands a lot. We're still wearing masks at Dodger Stadium. We're still required to, you know, for today's game, there's nobody there, right? Not a soul other than the broadcasters, but we are still required to wear masks. So we do. Uh, when the game starts, we can take it off, but, um, you know, otherwise we have to leave them on until our protocols change because they're still the same. So there, there's going to be some things that will be different. I think the way the game's covered right now is different. Now think of this. Uh, now Zoom has been a great thing, okay? Without Zoom or some kind of video conferencing system like, uh, like we're using right now, uh, it, it would be impossible to cover baseball socially distanced. Uh, but what's happening is that the teams, you know, some of the teams, the players, they kind of like it and they might want to keep it. The problem with that is there's not a lot of original stories available or original quotes. All the quotes are the same because everybody's getting them at the same time. You're not seeing one-on-ones. You're not able to go into the clubhouse and see a guy at his locker and go, uh, hey, you got a second? Can I ask you a question about this? Uh, you know, I can't go down on the field. I can't go, I can't go in the clubhouse. I can't go in the dugout. I can't go on the field. I can't go to the batting cage. That's where I got all of my great stories. I'm short on stories right now. Also, baseball is a relationship sport. You build relationships, not only with other media members, but especially with the players, with the coaches, with the trainers, with the, you know, the people who are around the game every day. And you build trust. And when you have trusting relationships with players, you get better information and you get unique information. Right now, I'm a year and a half behind in that department because I have not had one single one-on-one conversation with a player since this broke out. Same with a coach. I've had some private Zoom calls with the other broadcasters uh, and Dave Roberts, only a couple of those. But we don't have the access. And we're trying to do the same job with little to no access. So we're hoping that changes back in our favor and we're able to get access. It's not for us to say, hey, cool, we get to hang out in the clubhouse. Uh, That's not a big deal, okay? The big deal is let's get some information Let's continue to build trusting relationships with players so you get really unique stuff and good stuff down the road that you can share with the listeners, that you can share with the viewers that's unique to your team that they're not going to get anywhere else. And it's a benefit to the entire fan base if we have the access. Uh, You know, for me, I've been in a million clubhouses. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. I've been on the field a million times. That doesn't matter. But it's where I have to go to you know, continue to build these relationships. And in baseball right now, those have been really tamped down. And, uh, you know, there's a big wall right now in between the media, the broadcasters for teams and the actual people in uniform. One, uh, one last question for you, Tim. I, I, I'm just curious. Cause I, I, 
obviously receiving a World Series ring is a is a, an incredibly unique opportunity, right? And you know the, the entire the Dodgers did a fantastic job of giving everyone their rings. You know how they how they went about everything. It's been fantastic, class act. You know from top to bottom. Uh, I was curious, where is going to be the first place you are going to show off that ring at? That is not in the case, <laughs> just to show off the ring. I uh, I was actually on a uh, national television network a couple of weeks ago in Las Vegas, and I wore it on set. And uh, we're actually going to. Uh, post that on my Twitter account, I think on Facebook and Instagram as well, that interview where you'll get to see it. I was, funny story, okay? You got time for a funny story real quick? Yeah, absolutely. I was going to wear it Friday night for the opener of the Brave series, okay? So I had it measured for my right ring finger here. So when I was just off, I was off for 10 days before coming back. And my wife and I had our dog at this, uh, this river and we were dog was swimming and everything else, but it was really buggy. I had a bunch of mosquito bites on my hands. So I put the ring on, didn't realize I had a bunch of mosquito bites right here. And my finger was swollen. I couldn't get the ring off. <laughs> and I was worried about it, having it where it was going to cut my circulation off. So I, I had to go get soap and get it off. So I said, I'm not going to wear it tonight. So I was going to wear it Friday on the telecast. <laughs> But I did. Uh, I, I will wear it. I think I'm, I'm going to do um, uh, John Hartung's job on uh, Sportsnet LA. I'm going to do some anchoring pregame and postgame. Uh, I've got one uh, coming up in the Rangers series where I'll be at the set out in center field and then I'll be in El Segundo for the postgame show. I think I might wear it then. By then, I should have the swelling all the way down on my finger and it should fit again. <laughs> True story. <laughs> Hey, Tim, last one from me. Um, I, I read an interview where they asked you to, to mention a, a standout moment for 2020. And I want to see if this is true. Uh, we had uh, Todd Lights on the carne asada with us, and he uh, likes to refer to the Astros as the Astros. You said that the standout moment for 2020 was the Astros coming to Dodger Stadium. A two-part question for you. Mm -hmm. What do you expect when the Astros show up in August? (laughs) And and the other question I have for you, after the Dodgers went to Houston, it seemed like the players really played it down. But it seems like everyone else, the fans, the media, they're not letting this thing go. So... You tell me, are the players really, you know, are they past this or are they being told to not do anything to make this worse? And how bad is August going to be at Dodger State? <laughs> All right, let's go to the last one for uh, almost last one first. I think they got some of that out of their system last year uh, when Joe Kelly made the boo-boo face. Um, <laughs> I think... I think they got that out of the way last year. And I remember uh, the pregame stuff uh, with Dave Roberts. He said, look, we have to win a major league baseball game. First and foremost, we have to win. We're here to win a baseball game. First and foremost, we can't change anything. And they can't, they can't change the past. And that is their priority. They have to win a baseball game against the team they're playing. It happened to be Houston. And in August, it happens to be Houston again uh, for those two games. Um, so they may have gotten uh, that stuff out of the way, maybe. But as professionals, they have to play. They got to play the game. They got to play it the right way. Uh, 
most of the guys on the Astros right now had nothing to do with it. Some of them did. Their manager definitely did. And, you know, it's a former Dodger, too. So you got to give Dusty Baker uh, some credit because he's probably one of the few people who could guide this team through the aftermath that continues. And I wouldn't want to be in a Houston Astros uniform uh, those two days in August at Dodger Stadium <laughs> this year because the fans that missed it last year, it's all pent up, I'm sure. It is all pent up, I'm sure. Now, I have never seen during the regular season a team get a police escort from the hotel in the afternoon to the ballpark. Never. You know, and I've been with the Boston Red Sox in New York for some heated Yankees series. <laughs> and we never, in our bus, early bus, middle bus, late bus, we've never had a police escort. We've had them to the airport after uh, the last game of a series so that you can get through the traffic. That happens all the time. But uh, I never in my life have seen a team get a police escort from downtown where they were staying near Staples Center to Dodger Stadium in the middle of the afternoon at a ballpark that wasn't allowing fans in. Okay. So now you got the flying circus overhead, dragging the, uh, the signs behind them saying Astros with the asterisk and the Astros cheated, bang, bang, never forget all these other signs that, that were <laughs> being dragged behind these airplanes. The first day there was one doing it during Astros batting practice. They had the timing, right? The pilot and the, they made a, a flight plan that was right on time, which was odd. Then the next day there were three planes overhead doing the same thing with three different signs. Uh, there was extra security inside the ballpark and outside the ballpark. People were lining up outside the Sunset Gate A where the players' buses come in right in the corner of Vin Scully and Stadium Way. And they were angry. And they were letting the Astros know. To answer your question, Juan, I have no idea what it's going to be like this year. But I expect it to be one of the loudest places on planet Earth. <laughs> and there you have it. Tim Neverett joining us for a few minutes here to discuss his uh, his upcoming book, COVID Curveball, excuse me, an inside view of the 2020 Los Angeles Dodgers World Championship season. It drops August 31st of this year. You can pre-order it. Tim, where uh, can folks uh, sign up for that meet and greet that you're doing at the All-Star Game, and uh, and where can they find the book, and where can they find you? Uh, Tim Neverett on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I'm, I'm available. Please follow uh, we'll do uh, different tweets about games and different things. And people interact with me uh, from literally all over the globe They're, where the Dodger fans are. They, they will on Twitter. I'll get tweets from people all over the globe watching or listening to the games. It's pretty neat. Um, so uh, just uh, at Tim Neverett on Twitter, Instagram or, or Facebook, uh, they can get the book on Amazon right now. And with uh, Father's Day coming up, great idea for Father's Day. And also, once we start doing more promotion in uh, Southern California and Dodgers country, uh, we would expect uh, more of the pre-sale to go up. Now, uh, so you want to make sure you get get it done now so that uh, August 31st comes around uh, and they're distributed. You don't, you don't uh, come up on the short end and have to wait for the second run. And as far as the All-Star game goes, uh, we will let people know how they can do that uh, in the coming weeks. Um, I'm waiting to see my actual plane ticket first. So I've got to make sure uh, 100% I'm going to be there. Uh, we're actually ordering the books tomorrow uh, to be shipped into Denver and, and they'll meet me there. But we'll have a limited number of books that can be purchased on site six weeks early. And uh, I'll sign every one of them. 
at some point in time, we're going to offer some specials with oral signing as well. He's going to sign a, a very limited number. Uh, so we'll, we'll look forward to that, but that's another thing down the line. Uh, and, uh, you know, we might have some book events around Southern California. Uh, we're looking at one right now in uh, Rancho Cucamonga at a Quakes game, looking at another possible one in September at Oklahoma city where the Dodgers AAA team is, uh, where I can slide in there for a day and have a book event at the ballpark and, uh, have a lot of fun. And it's fun to meet the fans. It really is. You know, I'm in my third year with the Dodgers, but certainly not in major league baseball. I've been around uh, quite a bit. But, uh, you know, Dodger fans don't see me every night because I go back and forth between radio and TV and, and then some nights I'm off. So uh, it's, it's a great opportunity to meet fans and them to get to know me a little better. And, uh, and I think they'll enjoy the stories in the book and they'll definitely enjoy Orals Forward. That's for sure. But again, COVID Curveball available now on Amazon. Just search COVID Curveball and you'll find it. You heard it there, Tim. Again, thank you for the time, and I look forward to uh, to reading the book. And hopefully, we can catch you in an event here soon. Great, thanks, guys. Appreciate it very much, and uh, always happy to talk about the Dodgers. Absolutely, thanks again, Tim. Hey, fans, this is Todd Lights, public address announcer for your world champion Los Angeles Dodgers, and you are listening to the Bleed Los podcast. All right, well, big thanks to Tim Neverett for uh, for the time, and that's this week's episode of the podcast. Juan, where can they find us? Uh, they could find us on the Twitters at the Bleed Lows podcast. Uh, you can also find us at our, you can follow us on our individual uh, Twitter handles. Uh, you, you can follow me at Blue Revolt Film. You can follow me at the Bean 818. And you can listen to the to the podcast on our new website at bleedlowspodcast.com. And don't forget, we're also giving out Bleed Lows podcast stickers. So go to our website. Uh, register your information there. We will send you Bleed Lows podcast stickers. Also, just make sure you follow us on Instagram and the tweeters. And sign up for uh, for the updates because we'll be sending out stuff and updating you on uh, on all things going on with the Bleed Lows podcast. But until next week, thanks for the time, and we will catch you down the road. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Please subscribe and leave a review to the Bleed Lows Podcast. The Bleed Lows Podcast is a Dodgers Beat production. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.